Welcome to part two of our discussion on Red Dead Redemption 2. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Now, I, I, do, I do want to talk about the controls because when I first started playing this game, when I was up on the mountain, I literally I was getting a headache from the controls. I've never played a game so weighty as this, especially when you're in that snow. It felt so unintuitive, so unresponsive. I was shocked especially since if you but we've just been playing red dead one red dead one plays quite nicely it plays quite fluidly it's, it's a smooth smooth game it's fun to play it's easy to play um and then i just felt like i was wading through mud the entire time with red dead 2 and up in those mountains i had to really really massively tweak my sensitivity settings just so that it was bearable now it does get easier when you come down from the mountains but Question for you, is this game fun to play? Um, I think it is, but I agree with you on the control aspect, and I know a lot of people had that issue in that it's very weighty. And I think the, the, the thing that Rockstar really got called up on here is the realism and how realistic they made it. Because in some games, if you flick the analogue control around, your character will immediately turn. Here, you flick the analog controller, and Arthur will do a slow turn, do some steps, maybe get caught on something, and <laughs> it's a lot slower and it's a lot chunkier. It's somewhat like real life, and I think a lot of the argument was, "Is this too far?" Because this is still a video game. This is still supposed to be a game that you can just flick on, and as realistic as it is, there are still elements to it that are gamey. And I suppose it's the question: Is did Rockstar go too far? in terms of everything that they made realistic. Yeah, and I suppose it's it's not the question I asked the wrong question there which is is it fun to play or but the question should have been could it have been more fun yeah. to play. I I I'd say so. But I think in that the, the re, one of the reasons that I like this game so much is the level of realism that's in it. And I I think Red Dead yeah. 1 is a lot more arcadey than Red Dead 2, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I I did enjoy the gameplay of Red Dead One more because it's a lot more like a game. It than a just, movie. it's yeah, and not only that, it had some challenge to it. The other thing I said to you was that there's there's very little challenge in Red Dead Redemption Two. I mean, the only time you're going to fail missions is if for whatever reason one of your companions gets shot, or if someone rides off, or you you get left behind because you're doing your best to move your unwieldy horse so it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't hit trees and you don't fly off and you don't have an accident um but the other, the only other time you'll die is if uh, a stray bullet hits you in the head and ends up killing you that way which is just pure chance or if you've got um, yeah yeah and then obviously your health uh, goes way down but it just feels like from from the very beginning to the very end there was nothing I don't think the gunplay changed especially. I don't think there was any real challenge there. I think it had been toned down to allow everyone to experience the story, which I can understand, but I would have liked a bit more challenge there. Now, this morning I, I went on Reset Era, uh, which is um, basically a forum where lots of gamers um, publish their gaming opinions and then they get comments and feedback from people it's kind of like the reddit of games and someone had posted an article saying um, does the last of us part two uh, show 
how you do a cinematic realistic experience with still fun gameplay and then at the end it said brackets red dead redemption 2 um so and, and from what i've played i mean you'd imagine from all the uh publicity and, and that that the last of us part two was going to go down that route too and really have this super realistic super heavy gameplay i thought it was going to take it a step further but i was pleasantly surprised that it controls as in fact even more fluidly than uh the last of us part one so i for my for my for my personal um feelings i think they took it too far um i think there's a middle ground between red dead one and red dead two that they could have yeah, gone that would i would have preferred um because it's a sandbox game it's still a sandbox game rockstar makes sandbox games and they marry them to movies either really overworked stories or sometimes um stories with a lot of potential that never quite make it i think um i think this is a flawed story with some really fantastic parts in it um but that sandbox nature of their settings in that's that's the part that encourages you to mess around with the physics to see what you can do with the horses to see how big a wreck you can create and things like that um and the physics are still there but it's just so heavy and it's not not as fun as it was. I remember when we were at university, we used to mess around on GTA mm. 4 and do physics stuff and just completely Jump out um, see how far we could push. Th- yeah, see how far we could push the game. But you, th- you just don't get that here. It's kind... I just think it's one step too far for me. Um, and I just think that is my largest criticism of it. Well, actually, that and the pacing... I think those two things are my biggest criticisms of it. And I've not, and I, I realise that I've been the counterpoint to what you're saying a lot of the way so far. But I suppose, do you have anything else to say about the controls? Not really. I mean, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the controls. They're very, they're very stiff. They're very heavy. And I think you get used to them and you tweak your controls a bit while you're playing. I didn't. I just kept it as it was. And... I think it's jarring to begin with, but you do get used to it. However, the argument is then, well, you yeah. don't have to get used to it. It should just control better. And I get that. Um, but it, it, it wasn't I, I agree. something that drew away from the experience for me. But I can understand why a lot of people did have an issue with it. Because, you know, it's the main point of, of play, isn't it? The controls, you know, that that's how you interact with it. Yeah, and, and and I agree. You do you do get used to it, and I suppose it's when you go from that game to another game and you realise that the other game controls so much better. Um, that's when it becomes a thing. But I think what you can see very clearly in Red Dead Redemption Two is the priorities of Rockstar. The priorities were to create this realistic, living, breathing world, which for my money is their best world yet overall yes i do think it lacks the loneliness of rdr1 and that's a shame but in terms of just the size and the diversity and it being a living breathing world it really is on on its own level but um I, i just can't help but think what if they'd have had that some of that loneliness in there as well um i think it would have nailed it for me the the loneliness aspect is somewhat in the game but it only comes in in the epilogue and this is something that 
I think segues quite nicely because I want to discuss the ending initially. Yeah, and I, I do also too. want to discuss the epilogue. Now I know that you haven't completely finished the epilogue. Um no. so we can only discuss it to a to a certain extent. No, you you can you can you can give spoilers. We, we, not, we know what happens, I'm not don't you? Fast. You know, it, it, yeah. it's it is what it is. I said I think I think I think John's gonna kill my Sure. Um So we'll start with the, the ending to to the main story. There are six chapters in this game, so we'll discuss the ending to the sixth chapter, which is really classed as the end of the the main game. So obviously Arthur's got TB and you know that's gonna kill him. He knows it's gonna kill him, and for the second half of the story, he's really um, you know, going out of his way to start doing good if you're playing the game the way that it's intended to be played, I suppose. Now, I, I mentioned earlier there's an honor system in this game, and what you do throughout the game, everything will go to your honor score. So if you just randomly start shooting people, your honor will go down and you'll become dishonorable. If you go around helping people, um, greeting people, which for some reason raises your honor, just doing small things like helping people ride back into town, giving them medicine, your honor will go up. And your honor, your honor level at the end of the game will tell you which ending that you're going to get. The first time I played through this game, I got the dishonorable ending because I was right down the middle and I think I was just slightly more towards dishonorable. Whereas this time I was high honor. So I got the good ending, I suppose. And you also got the good ending, didn't you? Yeah. Do you think they included the honor system to encourage players to play in the way that they wanted to because there is data out there that shows that if you have an honor system the majority of players will play the good way even if they don't want to because they want they know that it will impact generally speaking if you've got an honor system it's going to impact Maybe. the ending so people want to get the quote unquote good I mean, ending i think it was I, kind of there to encourage people down that, that i think path. it depends on the kind of gamer that you are because even when there aren't honor systems in games, I don't really go out of my way to just shoot people in the face. Because you know, if if there's a choice in a game where it's like help, like set this person free or kill them, I'll always go for setting that person free. But that's just the kind of way that I like my stories to to go, I suppose. But I think you're right. There is an Good argument enough. there that if that system is there, people will want to keep to it because they think there'll be a different conclusion maybe i watched something recently that said that the best honor systems in games are ones that don't tell you that there's an honor system that are going on in the background yeah. and uh so you you're playing the entire game uh, not aware of the subtle little choices that you're making that can feed into the decisions later on now a good example of that is what is it called? Um, there's a horror game that was that so that Sony released, but was uh, until dawn. Oh yeah, that's it. Uh, that that's a good example a good of that because there there are things. That, it is a good game, and there are things that I did that I thought would no way Im uh, impact um, the outcomes later on. Just really little yeah. things, but it turns out that they do impact the outcomes. So I think um, games. <laughs> I mean, it's always the telltale yeah. example, isn't it? Of, this player um, will remember of, that when um, you make a decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. C can you remember that? So, 
the, yeah. the, the ending to this game is always going to be the same. As the, as the story progresses, Arthur gets more and more sick. He's having coughing fits. He can barely breathe. And I'd say within when you're within the two-hour mark to the end of the, the story, you know that he hasn't got long left, and so does he. And it, it comes to a head where Arthur's riding back to the camp. Um, John's, believed, John's believed to be dead because he got shot during a train heist and he falls off a train, at which point Dutch and Micah says, we'll go back for him, you guys carry on, get the money. And they come back and say, I'm sorry, John, John's gone, John's dead. And everyone in the camp is like, oh, Christ, obviously you're not because you know he's not dead because you play as him in the sequel. Um, but Arthur rides back to camp after a lot of stuff's gone down. You've been to help Native Americans with a fight um, against an oil company. You've um, been robbing trains. You know, John is believed to be dead. Like a lot has happened in the last few hours of the game. And like like Dan said earlier, there, there's a, a side story with Charles and the Native Americans that we've not even touched on. And it comes to a head where Abigail gets taken by Agent Milton of the Pinkerton Detective Agency and Arthur basically says, leave her. Um, There's nothing we can do for her. She's probably already dead. Jack, sorry, you're an orphan. And Arthur's like, no, I'm going to go save her with another member of the gang, Sadie Adler, who is a, a good person. You save Abigail, you go back to the camp, and there's a huge um, Mexican standoff with Arthur with his gun pointed towards Micah. Micah pointed with his gun at Arthur. John comes back and said, you left me for dead. And everyone's surprised because John's still alive. And then Arthur points his gun at both Micah and Arthur with John on his side and basically says, now who's staying loyal to me? You mean you mean uh, Arthur points his gun at Micah and Dutch, don't you? Uh, D- Dutch points his gun at Arthur and Micah as well. All <laughs> oh, right, you just said Arthur points his gun at oh, Micah and Arthur. Um, but yeah, basically it comes to a point where Dutch says, who's loyal to me and who's betraying me? And on Dutch's side, you've got Dutch, Micah, two of Micah's friends, Bill and Javier. And on Arthur's side, it's just Arthur and John and all of a sudden the detectives storm in and everything gets broken up John and Arthur run they make it through the caves go back up to the hill and starts escaping on horseback with the the detectives hot on their tail with Dutch and Micah hot on their tail and it's all pretty intense Um, some shots go off Arthur and John are thrown from their horse and I think this was one of the the big heart tug moments for me, and I mentioned this to you the other day, is that they shoot the people who launch them off their horses, and John's saying, come on, we've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to keep pushing. And Arthur says, wait, wait a minute, and his horse is dying, and he goes down next to his horse and he says, thank you. And there's a there's a underlying thing in this game with um, horse bonding, and you can have the same horse for the entire game. And depending how attached you are to your horse, this will mean something to you or it won't. But that was a small detail that I really liked, that he stops and he says thank you to his horse, who's got him through the entire journey. 
Um, and I, I think you said you liked that little moment as well. Yeah, I think it's a nice character moment. Um, not my favourite horse in no. gaming. That would be Aggro from Shadow of the Colossus. When I thought that Aggro died in that game, because there's a moment quite like that, I was devastated. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this, this, but yeah, this was this was a really nice moment, and and it's one of many nice moments that if you're going down that um, that good morality path, it's one of those moments that suggests that Johnny's a good character, or not just a good character, a moral Arthur. character that feed into this good ending. Um, which is, yeah, it's an, another of those nice moments that differentiates John from the other lawless people Arthur. that he hangs around with. Oh, yeah, yeah, Arthur, sorry, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's at this stage that you get the first um, first question, I suppose, and it's you get to choose whether you help John escape into the mountains or if you're going to go back to the camp to try and retrieve the money. I think this question's stupid, <laughs> I think it's baffling. It, 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 it's really baffling. weird because at this stage, Arthur knows he's done. Like he, He's going to die very soon. And his whole thing throughout the entire end of the story is, I'm going to help John escape. I'm going to help him and his family get out. And for that question to be posed to you is, do you want to go back and get the money? Or do you want to help John? I think it's only posed in there for the people who are really trying for that dishonorable ending. Because from a narrative yeah. point, it doesn't make sense at all. And no. if you did choose to go back for the money, then you were wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a weighted decision because, like I said, throughout over the course of this game, you, you initially start by making sense. And from what I've uh, looked into of this game... Um, obviously, obviously, we know that money was worth more yes. back then. So a dollar was a significant amount. So when you start to earn several hundred dollars for missions later on, which you do, money is no longer an issue. Not only that, I don't think there's an abundance of things to actually spend Not that really. money on. By the end of the game, you should have a comfortable amount of money that money shouldn't really be of interest to you so the only reason you're going to pick that path is i suppose to see what happens rather than because you need the money or because there's something worthwhile to spend the money Mm. on i just think i I mean that that to me that that's a bit clumsy because surely the, the the decision at the end should be two equally weighted things that could attract you just as much from one thing to the other but it's such a weighted decision you've got john right there you know he's got a son you know he's got abigail you know that he is the protagonist of of red dead one so you already and like already, him you know he's a good so guy do you well. want to yeah so do you want to save him do you want to you know you're going to die like you said do you want to die in good standing with him or are you going to run off and get some money for whatever reason for all you know you're going to die in the caves anyway because you know you're yeah. dying so what are you going to do That's with that money? It. So if you choose the correct option, in my opinion, you're going to go and help John escape into the mountains, at which point they keep running and they stop because Arthur has another coughing fit and John says, keep pushing, keep pushing. And Arthur says, no, I've pushed as much as I can. It would mean a lot to me if you just get out of here. And John's reluctant to do so. He doesn't want to leave Arthur behind. But Arthur says, go, go to your son, go to your, go to your woman, run. 
and he gives John his hat. He gives John his satchel, which has got a journal in, and John goes, and Arthur's left at the top of the mountain to hold off the detectives. You shoot a few of them, and then Micah turns up, and Micah and Arthur don't get on. They don't like each other, and particularly towards the end of the story... Micah's Ma- Yeah, Micah's horrendous, and it's obvious they don't like each other, so Micah comes back for Arthur. They have a fist fight on top of this uh, this mountain, and Arthur somehow manages to hold his own, even though he's like, the sickest man. I think. I think the implication is... There's also there's always in in your interaction with Micah, Micah's always a little bit of that. He, he's that worm tongue character. He's a bit. Well, you find out he's a rat. He's always a bit afraid of you. Yeah, and, he's the and person who's been you are that enforcer. The, 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 the FBI basically. Everyone talks about the toughness of Arthur, so I think the implication is that a sick Arthur, it's even on his deathbed, a, a um, yeah, could still hold his own against. Um, the snake-like cowardly yeah. Micah, um, and just thinking about this, wouldn't wouldn't the decision? I, obviously, they'd have, they'd have, they'd have had to rework the endings. Wouldn't the decision of to help John get out or to go back and kill Micah? Surely that would be a better decision yeah, for that I ending. Agree. Um, because it's basically, do you let go of your past and move on and die, having not got closure but having helped someone or do you go back and because i i think that would have been a much more difficult decision for me yeah i mean with with this you you always get the impression that arthur wants to take the the moral high ground with micah um he, he hates him but he knows that he's better than that towards the end of the game and there, there, are the, there are moments before the ending where Arthur sits down with a nun at a train station and he says, you know, I'm a bad man, I've killed a lot of people. And the nun basically says, but it, it's about what you do now with the time that's left that really shows you who you really are. And it, it's, it's again, the, the, the question that's posed to you, are you going to go and help someone or are you going to go back and kill someone? And I suppose one of the reasons that they didn't put it as that question is throughout the entire game, Arthur is telling Dutch that revenge is a fool's game. You know, we, we don't have the luxury of revenge because it, it never leads to anything good. Um, but I understand that, but wouldn't it be more interesting to put that decision in the true. player's hands to see whether the player would walk away or whether the player would get revenge? Because I... I think I would have gone with John, but I tell you what, if they had presented that option to take out Micah there and then, uh, it would have been it wouldn't have been a straightforward decision. Sure, because he's so so frustrating. Yeah, I I know what you he's mean. Such yeah, a villain. He's, he's such a good villain. Such a good villain character. He's so easy to hate. Um, but yeah, it, it comes to a point where they're having this fist fight on top of um on top of the mountain, and. Really, that the fight is the thing that kills off Arthur. Like he's done by the end of it; he can barely breathe. Dutch comes back in, and it's—I th- I think it's a bit of a heartbreaking moment because, like we said, Arthur is basically like Dutch's son, and you've got Arthur 
on the floor being black and blue, can barely breathe. And he says, Dutch, I, I, gave, I gave you everything I had. This guy's a rat. Please just do the right thing. And obviously, Micah's like, no, he's sick. He's dying. He's, he's a liar. And there's a moment where Dutch looks at Arthur on the floor. He looks at Micah and he just walks away. He just goes. And yeah, it's really it powerful. is. And it's at this point where your honour standpoint will give you the ending that you've you've earned. If you've got a high honour rating, Michael will just walk away and leave Arthur to die on top of the mountain, succumbing to his TB, looking at the sunrise. If you're dishonourable, which I was the first time I played this game, it's a very different ending where Dutch walks away and Micah can't take the fact that on a moral high ground standpoint, Arthur's beaten him and he goes up to Arthur and shoots him point blank in the face. And like, it's so brutal and he, he shoots him and then he runs away laughing maniacally and then cut to black. That's it. And I think the the, the good ending is really the one that you want to go for because it's a much more what's the word I'm looking for the the arc is much more uh, I can't think of the word it's a much better arc basically for Arthur to have him yeah. die that way because you know he's going pleasing yeah. more pleasing arc. and the game then picks up um, it's said some years later I think it's about five five to seven years later and for the for the epilogue you control John um who is trying to go straight, but it's very difficult to do so. So the epilogue is about 10 hours worth, I'd say, of getting to the point where you are when you meet John in Red Dead Redemption 1. You're building his house on Beecher's Hope. You're trying to make things work with Abigail. You've, you come across Uncle. You meet a few of the members of the gang, a few years down the line, you find Sadie, who you do some bounty hunting missions with. You find Charles, who helps you build build your house. Um, and yeah, the, the the really the the driving force behind the epilogue is getting revenge for Arthur. Sadie is a well known bounty hunter by this point, and a few hours towards the end, she comes in and says, "I know where Micah is." And the last mission, which is called um, American Venom is you, Sadie, and Charles going up into one of those snowy mountains, taking out all of Micah's men. And you've not seen any footage of this, have you? Do you want me no. to discuss it? Or you... Okay. Yeah, carry on. So John makes it to the top of the mountain on his own. Sadie gets shot. Arthur, uh, Charles gets shot. They both survive. But John makes it up there on his own. And there's this shack and he gets to the front. He says, Micah, come out. I know you're in there. Uh, Micah comes out and, he, you know, he's saying, oh, you know, you, sh you should join us. And Arthur's like, no, I've come to kill you. At which point a gun gunfight um, breaks out. And like the, the rate at which Micah shoots you is ridiculous. Like he's so fast. Uh, but Sadie comes out of nowhere, grabs Micah, and then all of a sudden, out of the shack, Dutch comes out as well, which 
I don't think anyone really expected because the way that it's left at the end of the story, you think the Dutch has just walked away from it. He he doesn't care. He's done. Um, but Dutch comes out and you know John's like, oh Dutch, been a been a long time. And you get another Mexican standoff, I suppose, where Mike has got his gun to Sadie's head. John's pointing uh, one gun at Micah, one gun at Dutch, and Dutch is pointing again his uh, his gun at Micah and one gun at John. And some dialogue takes place where John's basically pleading with Dutch, look, this guy was a rat. He's the reason everything went down. He's the reason that Arthur died, you know, and Dutch kind of sees sense. He shoots Micah once, at which point gives you the opportunity to just unload all of your ammo in Micah's face um, and then Micah dies so how well how well done is that because like you say I haven't played it how well done it's, is that epilogue is it, it satisfying it is satisfying because you know Dutch it sounds really clumsy it, it is like it isn't done perfectly but the way well, I don't know I don't know why Dutch had no, to be I, there no I agree and this is something that plays on my mind a bit with this because I really liked how Dutch just walks away when Arthur dies. So do I. I think that's but no, fantastic. He, he comes back out um, and you, John's words obviously get through to Dutch because he shoots Michael once in the chest. Yeah, which, which again, it's just a, re, it's, it's yes, just a rerun, it is. isn't it? Of, of that original um, ending. And Mike uh, kind of looks at Dutch and he, he says, uh, what does he say? He says, you shot me. You shot me pretty good. And it then goes into a dead eye section where basically you just tag all the areas on Mikey you want to shoot. You shoot him. He kind of stands there for about two seconds before he just collapses and dies. Uh, John looks at Dutch, says, uh, I think he says, thank you. But Dutch does the exact same thing that he does with Arthur. He looks at John uh, and walks away, just walks off. This just sounds like it, comical. It, it's very strange. But then Arthur Wall goes into the shack where they were and all of the money that they've been accumulating throughout the entire game is in there. And then for the... Re- well, that money yeah, that you so don't for need. the rest of the game, which is basically, if you've not done all the side stuff and all the extras at this point, that's your opportunity to do that as John. Uh, you do that with about $20,000, which you don't need. Um, but so how, how satisfying was... The act of getting revenge. I, I, I like it. Did you feel yeah, like... Because okay. Mike is awful. And I think if they'd have just done it as like a, a gun duel or something, I don't think I'd have been as satisfied. But because the way that Mike had died... I mean, watch watch the clip on YouTube when you get a chance, in, if, unless you're going to play it. I will I will play it at some point. I'm, I mean, I'm, like, like I said, I enjoyed this game. I'm going to hang on to this game and I'm going to play it again mm. at some point. I may even do the epilogue um, between now and yeah. then anyway. Um, my, my, my thing is, I, I just... I, I want to go back to that ending very quickly. I mean, this is going to be a longer episode, and, and yeah, we said we try and keep it to an hour twenty, but that's not happening. Yeah, and and, and there's still there's, there's still a, a few bits that still. I want to cover. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to get to all of it, but just uh, so so with this ending, um, Dutch walks away, and I mean that's really telling. Number one, it shows that you've got through to him that he's kind of defeated that worm tongue in his ear. Um, but at the same time, he's not suddenly trying to help John. 
He's not trying to um, be there for him. He knows he's dying. And and another interesting thing is that I, I found that Dutch never really refers to the fact that... Oh, no, sorry, Arthur. Uh, Dutch really never refers to the fact that Arthur's dying. Not once. No. It's like he's almost in denial about it. Um, so Dutch walks away. Michael walks away. This is the good ending I'm talking about. I don't think I've got adequate words to to kind of describe how nicely and how elegantly this goes out. Um, and the music's playing and Arthur is looking at the sun. Is it the sunrise, sunrise or the sunset? It's a sunrise, isn't it? He's looking at the sunrise and he's dying. It's bittersweet. I mean, obviously the, the, the bitterness is that he's dying of TB. He could have walked away so, so many times yeah. before, but he didn't. And the sweetness is the fact that he got through to Dutch and that his morality, I suppose, is intact and that Micah, without without shooting Micah, without having to have revenge, he's disempowered Micah. And I found that moment to be absolute catharsis and just a perfect marrying of this illness that Arthur has this this strange path that Rockstar chose to take with the illness this dying man who is questioning his morality which is really really interesting and comes to this point where he finally is able to let go and they're the, they're the best words for it to be able to let go it if it, it feels like he had the conversation with the nun He's been battling with himself for such a long time. But in that moment, it feels like he has let go. And it's really, really powerful. And I just think... I This is this is why I didn't... I had time to, to do the epilogue within the time that we that I finished playing and we were recording. But you were happy I, I think that that was such a perfect Earth ending. Earth. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's such a perfect ending that... Surely to give the player the option to go back and shoot Micah in the face is reductive of that ending. Surely it takes something a bit bolder to end on that note of you don't need to get the revenge. Is, but of course it's Rockstar. It's still a game. Also, people want the, to play the on game as well. Because if it had just been left at that and Micah went out, then it would be a lot more questionable of one, how did John get to where he is at the start of RDR1? Two, what the hell happened to Micah? Because he isn't mentioned in the first game. I just I just think sometimes I'm a big fan of horror and sometimes we like to have everything explained to us. I sometimes think we don't need yeah. it. I think we mm. don't need to know what happened to Micah. We know he's an absolute weasel. We know that it's very likely he's going to get himself killed. Surely the fact that he's not mentioned in RDR1 would be a bit more interesting sure. if we don't find out what happens to him. Maybe in another in another game somewhere down the line he would he would reappear. Um and that's why I think it's it's a bit reductive to have Dutch reappear in the epilogue. Yeah. Just making a little cameo. 
Um, uh, to me, that was just the perfect ending. I would have liked the credits to roll there, but instead it shoves you straight into an epilogue. And it's one of those things, you've got a sandbox game, you know that players have still got things they want to do before they kind of wrap up the game. Um, so you have to give them the, the opportunities to do so. And it's, it's one of those things that open world games always battle with. Now, sometimes you get games that um, once you complete it and you reload the game, it will reload to the point just before that final battle. My preferred way to do it is having a new game plus, ending the game there, and then you can start the game again from the beginning with the added yeah. perks of the things that you've built up over the game. Um, I, I just felt really strongly that it didn't need that epilogue. I didn't need to play yeah. as John. I felt like... I, I don't know. I, it was just complete for me. Not only was it complete, but it completed Red Dead Redemption 1 for me. It felt like I had the context I needed for those two things. There's some context that I'm missing, which is this third part that I talked about. If I were to, um, if I were to say to Rockstar, Red Dead Redemption 3, this is what I think it should be. I think we should go back even further. And I think we should play as Dutch. Surely, surely of all the characters that we've seen playing as Dutch, perhaps before his mind started to go, that would give us even more context. And it would be really interesting to explore this great man from being in this great man's skin, um, seeing the things that he's seen. I think that's the final bit of context I want. Maybe playing up to the point of Blackwater. Uh, mm. I don't know. But um, I think I think that's the the part that I want to see now. There's a lot that we don't know from that bit before, and if I I suspect that there's going to be a third game, I suspect it's going to be tied to these two, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was from that period before, which is why we never ever get closure on what happened in Blackwater. Um, so that's my pitch for Rockstar if they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the epilogue. Even though you do play as John, I, the epilogue's the weakest part of the game, in my opinion, because it didn't need to exist fully. Um, however, Arthur is such a prominent point of the epilogue because, like I say, you you meet up with Charles again, you meet up with Sadie, and you have a lot to do with them, and obviously as with Uncle as well. However, there are certain areas of the map you can go to. And you'll randomly come across old members of the gang. And most of them will mention Arthur. You know, and depending again on your honour, they'll discuss him and what kind of person he was. And Charles in particular, uh, you find Charles in Saint-Denis as a, um, he's a, a street fighter trying to make money. And as you're walking off with him, um, when you first meet him, they talk about Arthur and how he was a good man. In, in my playthrough um, and Charles says yeah I, I went back and I found his body and I buried him um, looking at looking at the sunrise I think he would have liked that and one of the um, the side things you can do in the epilogue is you can visit all of the graves of all of the, the people that died because they, they bury all of them as the game goes through so you know there's um, Mrs Grimshaw there's Kieran Sean Lenny, Hosea, and then the three members that die before the game properly starts, Davey, uh, someone else, and Jenny. And dependent on the honour that you finish the game with, you can visit Arthur's grave. And there are, if you finish the game with a high honour level, 
the quote on his uh, gravestone reads, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you have a low honour, the grave will read, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Arthur really is a big element to the epilogue. He's the reason that John's looking for that, that revenge. And Abigail, when, you know, Sadie comes and says, I found Micah. And John's like, right, let's go. Abigail pleads with John, please don't. Micah's not worth it. But I think the driving force for him to go and, and kill Micah is Arthur because Arthur gave up everything to help John and John knows that Michael was probably the reason that everything went to hell because he, he knew that um, Michael was a rat from what Arthur says and it's why the revenge is important but yeah it's I think that's a character trait of John compared he's to He's a lot Arthur, more hot-headed isn't he John? Yeah, and he can't let go, whereas Arthur... Oh, I, I don't know, maybe Arthur can't let go either, but in a different way. I mean, Arthur proves that he can't let go he because he, he doesn't walk away. Yeah, um, but he but he can let go of the revenge aspect at the very least. Um, I mean, I, I just think I wanted the credits to roll then. I would have had that epilogue as free add-on content yeah. or something. It was already made, um, but I would have liked it as a standalone thing, which... <laughs> be nice not to pay yeah. for obviously um just to separate it because then you feel like you're getting a bit extra of red dead redemption 2 rather than having just done a really long mission getting thrown straight into another mission and a whole epilogue without having time to breathe and to really take in that ending that's what i think it it, it smothers that ending that really poetic poignant ending um so I think it doesn't do it any favors. I mean, this is all obviously this is yeah, all subjective. Of all of this is subjective. But I mean, I was I was very impressed with the way that they wrap things up. It was this is why I say it was a rocky road. It was a rocky journey to get there, but it ended in a very good place. Um, now a couple of couple of uh, I mean, I think we we may need to split this uh, this podcast into two parts. I think that's a perfectly uh, valid option. Um, because because we're we're going well beyond anything that we've 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 done before. Um, so one thing that Rockstar can't entirely let go of is the weird humor yeah. stuff, and it's not as it's nowhere near as bad it's here in my opinion. Um, no, and and it's not even on the levels of Red Dead One. I mean, what we didn't really mention in our Red Dead One um discussion was West Dickens. Uh, Seth and Irish, who for me bring Perhaps down that entire it. first act. Yeah, I just think them alone <laughs> just bring down the entire first third of the game. Um, and it's definitely not as egregious as that, but it's it's still there, and it's there more in the the stranger missions. Um, you can see the quirkiness again. I don't I don't know if it's necessary. Doesn't it, it's not it's not as offensive this time around, which is good. Um, but I, I still think you can still have some meaty side stories that don't, but they do have those as well. So I suppose it's not really much to say, but the part that I think is worth saying is one name, which I think will trigger reaction in you. Guama. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird section, isn't it? It's very different from everything else. Um, what does it add? Well, that's it. It, it doesn't really add anything. You just kind of go and do a revolution, don't you? <laughs> like, <laughs> why was it there 
yeah it's a question that i can't answer i i i like the guama section like i think it's fun and it's very it's all right yeah just kills the pace it's just Yeah, I I don't know with Guama. It's a weird one. I think I think Guama was Rockstar's answer to Mexico yeah. in RDR one. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, Guama for, was. for the for the listener that hasn't played this, um, after you do a mission where you rob the bank in San Denis, Jose gets shot, Lenny gets shot, and the the heat around the town is so much that Arthur, Micah, Dutch, Javier. Is there anyone else that goes? Bill goes as well, doesn't he? Um, to to escape, they hop on a boat that is uh, destined for Guama, where they're going to hide out for a while until the heat dies down, and then go back. Um, there's a huge storm; the boat sinks. They get washed up on an island in Guama, and find themselves in the middle of a rebellion um, against. Are they plantation owners? Um, they're. Mm, I don't know. Uh, is it I don't clear? Think it is. I mean, it's 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 meant to be a it's meant to be a, a Caribbean yeah, island. Yeah, but isn't basically it? the the gang, I suppose, uh, takes the side of a rebellion. Yeah, Cuba that are um, rising up against a you know hardline military authoritative force. Yeah, I mean there are there are problems with this section because it's all right to play. It's very short. It's not. There's no build in there. There's no. There's no story that I think I didn't really feel compelled to help anyone because there's no real. There's no no real story beats. It's all painted with a very uh, broad brush stroke, let's say. And um, I just feel like, like I said before, I think it kills the pace a bit. I think the game could have benefited from not having it there, even if it wasn't bad. It was just really odd. And it wasn't, there was nothing there that was phenomenally great in terms of the missions that I thought, oh, I'm really, really glad we went yeah. here. It's it's just kind of there, isn't it? And yeah, it, it's very a very strange section. Um, so that covers the story. Um, there's yeah. a lot of other stuff as well that's on the side. There are a lot of side missions and people you can help throughout the game. One thing that I want to touch on uh, briefly is what I, I mentioned it to you and I told you not to look into it too much because it was before you'd finished the game uh, but the strange man now yeah this isn't someone that you've really come across before is it you didn't come across him in Red Dead 1 did you no I only, only heard about him so what you said Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2 they have a lot of side stuff that you could miss a lot of weird stuff um examples there's a ghost train in red dead redemption 2 that you can see there's a ghost of a girl in the swamps there is a, a nosferatu character in san denis that you can the night people oh yeah the night folk um you know th- yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff in red dead redemption 1 there's a character called the strange man who john will meet at various interludes who seems to know john very very well but John has no idea who this guy is. Um, and it's highly suggested that this man is death. This man's death himself. Um, and in your final meeting with the strange man in RDR1, the strange man is standing above John's ranch 
and says something like, this is a fine spot to stand. And John's like, tell me who you are, damn it. And this guy's like, you know who I am. And John loses his temper, shoots this guy three times, and the bullets go right through him. And this guy just walks off. Um, And him saying, this is a fine spot to stand, that ends up being the place that John's grave is. It's highly suggested, as I've said, that this guy is death. And he shows up kind of in Red Dead 2. There's a weird little shack in the sh- in the swamps that you can go and explore as Arthur or as John. And you'll go in there numerous times and there'll be a painting being done. And each time you go in, the painting's more complete. And the final time you go in there, it's a portrait of the strange man from the first game. And there's a mirror in there. And if you look in the mirror, the strange man's standing directly behind you. But if you turn around, he's not there. And there is... In the epilogue, you can go back and return to the map from Red Dead 1. So you can explore all of New Austin. So towns like Armadillo, Tumbleweed, Blackwater, etc. And Armadillo, which is the town that you first um, go to in Red Dead 1. You go there and it's... It's, it's a mess. Um, it's it's a kind of a shadow of what you see in Red Dead 1 because there's a plague there. There's, um, there's been an outbreak of cholera and everyone's just dying in the streets except the shop owner, Herbert Moon. And you can go and buy stuff from his general store and John will say when you go in there, oh, who's, who's that photo that you have back there? He looks familiar. And it's the strange man. And I don't really know why I brought this up, but I think it's to, I don't know, I think it's to kind of make a point that there's a lot of elements within these first two games that there's a lot of underlying stuff, that there's weird things going on. There is the, um, you know, things that are beyond humans, you know, like uh, in gta you've got the aliens you've got ufos and funnily enough they show up in red dead 2 as well um but there's a lot of stuff that can't be explained in the red dead universe including nosferatu and i think (laughs) i think as well it's it's i mean we probably didn't give red dead one enough credit for this in that there is a lot going on behind the scenes there's a lot of secrets to find and we didn't really touch on that at all. And uh, it's the same in RDR2. And there is, it sometimes does feel like, um, and I suppose you could say it's Rockstar's hand, but it feels like there's a hand guiding people uh, towards their fate. And it's one of those things that you can't do anything about. It's one of those things that I mentioned to you. It's like, you can't kill Micah until the time to kill him. You can't kill Dutch until the time to kill him. Um you've got to wait even at those points that you want to because that's not what was preordained. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. And, and um, there's, a, there's a hell of a lot in this world. I, I think it's um, one of Rockstar's best worlds. And I think there's... It's, and the reason I like it is because usually in games, you feel like you've been across the width and breadth of the world um, and you know every part of it. But... I didn't feel that familiar with the world, which is good. Um, keeps it fresh. And um, this is why I said that Red Dead 1's map felt small playing it in 2020. It didn't feel small at the time, but it does feel yeah. small now. Um, so, 
so I think it's um, a good thing. Um, I know, I know. There's a character that we haven't spoken about that you what you were uh, very fond of, um, Jack. <laughs> I, I I don't mind Jack, but you can't stand him, can you? Do you know what? He's all right. I started being a bit nicer to him towards the I end. I hate you, Uncle Arthur. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know if there's much to say about just him, to annoying. be honest. But <laughs> yeah, it's just really fun to tease him, and there are so many videos out there of people winding up and doing silly things, like like Jack Jack on the horse. Go first. <laughs> go 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 faster, Uncle Arthur. Oh, I can't even do the voice. Um. <laughs> And then uh, Arthur goes, all right. And he starts to, to race and then hits a tree. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fun stuff like that, isn't it? That It, it makes makes you know that it's a, it's a rock star game, isn't it? Yeah, I just found him amusing. There's, I thought it was fun to wind him there's up. There's one more character that I just want to touch on very briefly, um, who I mentioned to you, but you never came across, is the old blind man. Um. Oh, did I did. Again? I came across him. Yeah, yeah. Did he two say times. Interesting. He said that he said the thing that you said the first one that that you said to the me, and then no he nose. said second one was very something very vague and wishy washy. Well, there's um there's a character in this game called um, Old Man Cassidy who's a blind man who asks for money, and if you give him money, he'll tell you something insightful. And again, in the law, there's a lot of stuff that suggests there are forces at hand that you can't see, and Old Man Cassidy is one of them. And if you give him money, he'll tell you something. And he says things that will come to pass. So I've got a few of his quotes up in front of me. There's some that he gives to Arthur and then separate ones for John. Um, so one of the things that he says to Arthur is, that which is killing you will help you finally to see and see clearly, friend, see and hear, which is obviously you know, a relation to everything that we've been talking about, how his morality changes when he finds out his uh, diagnosis. Um, another one of the things he says is your father is seduced by the one with the forked tongue. It's no use helping, which is obviously, um, Micah Micah. to Dutch. Um, another one, your whole life, sir, you followed the wrong star, which is a jab at Arthur for, you know, following Dutch. Dutch. Um, what have we got? Even when all reason is lost and all truth has become lie, you will stand firm for loyalty is both your saving and your curse. And he only says three things to John. Um, To John, he says, embrace those who love you, not the memory of those who pretended to. And there's another one. Two strangers seek thee, one from this world, perhaps one from another. One brings hatred, Micah. I'm not too sure what the other brings, which I think is supposedly Arthur watching over John, maybe. And the most um, telling thing that this guy says to John is, they will come for you, friend, and when they do, you'll not have a choice, but you've lived better than most, which is obviously a um, a jab towards the military coming for John at the end of RDR1 and being shot. So I I just wanted to throw that in there, because I think he's a really interesting character. Yeah, which you could, I mean, you can you can argue. Someone pointed this out to me that John John's redemption is in in, in yes. death, and he has lived a better yeah, life we, than we, most. We mentioned that um, in the first episode, didn't we? That John doesn't really get redemption, and if arguably you wanted to say he does, it it's in his death. And I think you could say something similar of Arthur in this game that 
Arthur's redemption comes from realizing what is important and helping the people around him. That's his redemption. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's um, let's come to closing, I suppose. So, as you said, this was number eight on the list. So, uh, what are your final thoughts? Is it worth playing? And where does it rank for you? Yeah, I mean, like I said at the start, this is now probably one of my favourite games ever. So, in terms of my thoughts on it, it would be on the list. I'm not going to say that it's perfect. It isn't. And a lot of the stuff that you've said is absolutely valid. There are a lot of flaws with this game. It can be too slow. The pacing can be off. There are parts that make you think, really? And it isn't a perfect story. But... I think when you look at it from the point of the story of a man seeking redemption and trying to to right the wrongs of his life, I suppose, it is a very powerful story and it's a very character-driven story, this game. And if you're into character narratives and deep character de- uh, delves into why they do things, which I'm very much into, then I think you'd enjoy this game. Obviously, we've just spoiled everything, um but it's something that i suggest experiencing for yourself if you haven't played it because i think that this is really a story that if you're someone that enjoys story-based games if you enjoy a good arc then you should experience this game because there are there are elements to it that are so deep and make you question a lot of things so yeah and i i think it should be on this list i think being in the top 10 is the right place for it in my humble opinion but yes that are that are that is my overall thoughts that are we indeed (laughs) um what 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 about you (laughs) same question yeah rocky road and this is one of those cases i think you play any game there, there's no such thing as a perfect no. game you play any game you've got your good points you've got your bad points and there comes a point where you have to weigh within yourself whether those good points outweigh the bad points if you've got a generally good feeling about a game then you'll start to see those bad points as quirks um and if you're feeling negative about a game, you start to see those good points as, oh, they're all right, but they're not. Um, so I like to go with my gut feeling and I'd say the good does outweigh the bad here. And I think the character of Arthur um, transcends the game yeah. itself. So the game itself is flawed, but but the impacts of parts of that story of Arthur's character not all of them because like we say the pacing was all off for a long time and there was not a lot happening and he does he does turn on a dime towards the end of the game um but those parts those moments of his character really struck me quite deeply so enough to make me really think I don't know. The game really spoke to me in that way. Um, so yeah, it was a very, very strange relationship that I have with the game. But I really did enjoy it, and I will play it again. And that arc of Arthur's character is not even the arc, but those moments of Arthur's character, those moments of truth that we got to see, 
they'll stay with me for a long time. Um, that's really, really high praise. Um, it does deserve to be on the list, in my opinion, as well. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd rate it as highly as you would, but it would be in the top half of my list. And that's that's I think that's a big compliment for me as well. Um, to summarise my feelings of the game, um, there's a moment that I mentioned to you, which was my favourite moment. It was a very small moment. And it was riding north to the... I don't know if it's Wapiti or Piti um, reservation and you're riding up there and it's quite out of the way and the game's truly phenomenal soundtrack is doing real work here so first of all you get these kind of drums that kick in and then you get um, pan pipes as well so you've got this really nice soundtrack going on in the background and you arrive in the reservation you can't use guns here and I arrived at night and all all the all the TPs were lit up, and it was quite really beautiful to look at. And as I did for most of the game, I went up to greet people because ridiculously, going up and greeting people is the best way that you can get your morality up. So when I was riding through Saint Denis, I was literally greeting people constantly, and my my oh, um, my morality was going yeah, my morality was going way up because of it. Um, I'm trying to think what some of the things that John says um, yeah so I went there and the reaction was very different um, basically the, the, the Native Americans were scared of John Arthur. and what John represented and why jo oh yeah Arthur yeah and why Arthur was there and I just think it was such a small subtle moment and I just think it spoke volumes <laughs> So that's why I like this Those game. Are the deepest moments, too, um, especially with um, with Rainsfall, the uh, the chief, when you're riding with him. Yeah, there's some lo you know, lovely stuff there. About his, yeah, his son who died, and you know, going like it's deep moments like that, and they're they're they're, they're pretty heavy, and I think those are very good beats in the game. Yeah, it's two old souls yeah. reflecting, and. He happens to be one person that Arthur feels comfortable opening mm. up to, even though he doesn't um, really know him. Yeah, which is which is interesting, which says a lot about Arthur. Um, yeah, so that that really summarises how I feel about the game. I think, like I said, I would have preferred to do it in the other order and done Red Dead Redemption yeah. One now, um, because I think that Blackwater section, the the, the section that I really want to replay is Blackwater. I'm not so bothered about Mexico and. Um, New Austin, but I want to play that Blackwater section again because I feel like there there's context there that I now have that will make that that section so much more um, I don't know Dutch. meaningful I suppose yeah yeah with with Dutch and not only with Dutch but John on the ranch I mean I like that section anyway I like I like the the introduction of of um, Abigail and Jack but I also because I think. It's my. It's probably my favourite area in that game, anyway, because I feel like it's the most living yeah. and alive, and it's the one area of the game that I feel like um, there. It feels bigger than it is, so it feels like there are places to explore that you haven't seen. Whereas I feel like a lot of the rest of the map feels quite condensed. It it might be a reason for you to to enjoy the epilogue. The the, the first few areas of the epilogue in Red Dead Two. Very slow, very, very sloggy, but 
I know that the parts that you oh, sounds, the, sounds, the parts that you really that sounds amazing <laughs> the, the parts that you really liked in Red Dead One were when he was running I mean, like slow and sloggy well, games. It's the parts in Red Dead One that you talk about where you really loved Abigail and Jack giving context to John and giving him character and giving him meaning. Yeah, and there is a lot of that in the epilogue. Um, that you get to explore after you've built the house, after everything's calmed down. And there are areas to to explore around John's ranch in the tall trees. There's a gang called the Skinner Brothers who are just awful. Um, you know, th- th- there's, there's a lot worth exploring with the epilogue. And like you say, y- you might go back to it sometime. Yeah, no, I definitely will. And, it's, and, and I've got nothing against the epilogue itself. It's just uh, yeah. coming off the back yeah, of that story arc having that climax it's really yes. difficult to then want to go back I to agree. nothing again and which is you, you you're yeah. resetting um yeah so I, I good feelings about this game um right let's uh let's wrap yes. up there then i think we should split this one because it's it's <laughs> hugely yeah. long and it fits nicely into two hour Indeed. segments we'll uh i'll look at that in the editing um so next game is Dan's choice of game. So would you like to tell us what it is? Yeah, so we just we just want to cover I mean we're doing a lot of big titles and we want to come cover some of the um the smaller ones on the list that maybe we're not looking forward to as much because otherwise we're going to do all the good ones at the beginning oh, and yeah. we're going to be left with a load of <laughs> a load of tedious yeah yeah, yeah, for lack of a better word. Um, so, not not that I'm dismissing this game as that. Yeah, I don't are. know. I'm going to go in with an open mind. <laughs> it's called World of Goo. I've already started it. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing it on my phone. I haven't. Yeah, I'm going to play it on my Switch. Um, yeah, I've heard very good things about it. Let's, let's, let's yeah, see what it's, it's like. It's different. Um, so, yeah, World of Goo. Um, as usual, if you want to find us on places like Twitter, we are at the long short of. We're on Facebook, where you can find all of our posts and all of the links to where we're found. I'm going to ask if you have listened this far in, um, and if you have, I tipped my proverbial hat to you because this has been a very long episode. cowboy hat to you. Um, at the moment, because Dan looks after all of the YouTube stuff. I primarily look after all of the the podcast side of things. Um, I'm trying to work out where people listen to us most so I can push that side of things a bit as I thought it might be Spotify, but it doesn't seem like it is. I know that some people listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict or um, other areas. So I will just quickly say we are now in a lot more areas where you can get your podcasts. We're now on Podbean podcast app apple podcasts obviously soundcloud we're on TuneIn radio google podcasts and Castbox. if there are areas where you listen to podcasts that we're not on yet please do let me know but i would really appreciate it if you could just give me a heads up to where you usually listen to us just so i can um focus more on pushing that side of things if that makes sense um yeah, and if there's any if there's any areas that you specifically listen to gaming podcasts, then let us know and we can make it available Indeed. there. Yeah. And I'm very relieved. I feel like this this Red Dead journey has been a long and mentally Gosh. draining one. I am relieved that we finally finished it. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that we did. And also, that's my, that's boy. my boy. We need more money, Dutch. 
There you go. There's our bad Red Dead. You okay there, boy? <laughs> there's our bad Red Dead episode, uh, episodes. Not bad Red Dead. Epi- oh my god! Impressions. My brain's gone. <laughs> I hate you, Uncle Arthur. Arthur. That's my boy. My voice doesn't go that high, especially at the end of a. <laughs> we need more. At the end of a two-hour podcast, a plan. Oh, right. So <laughs> you need to that, trust me. That's Red Dead Two. Um, we'll see you probably in a couple of weeks um, for World of Goo, which I can categorically say will be a lot shorter than two hours. So, yeah, yeah. thank you for listening. Um, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. So, yep, see yes. you on the next Cheerio. one. Cheerio.